And now, discover your true course. This podcast is a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Your host, founder and president, Dr. Michael Godfrey. Hello, and welcome to Discover Your True Course. This podcast is a part of our service to and support for organizations and individuals in their pursuit of more that matters. You know, it's a complicated, confusing world out there. Who do you trust to help you sort it out? True Course is a trusted guide for accomplished and successful individuals who want to manage their success, and yet they know there is still more that matters. Our clients discover ways to be more, see more, achieve more, and finish without regret, both personally and professionally. The COVID-19 pandemic and associated crises has created a novel problem space that requires masterful problem-solving skills for clearly defining the problem space and discovering novel solutions that are required. These are soft skills that are most desirable in organizations today, but they appear to be rare. In our last episode, we moved our focus to cognitive biases, which are hindrances to good decision-making and problem-solving especially during the novel times in which we find ourselves. Every person on the planet uses cognitive biases at some time. You can expect them to show up somewhat frequently in yourself and others, and when they do, they will torpedo good problem-solving efforts and can have a serious effect on life and work. As you think about how these hindrances affect your decision-making and problem-solving, it might help if you reflect on interactions with your team, your family, your friends, and in your community activities. Or you might recall an important decision or challenging problem you're facing now and see if you can identify biases that may be at work there. Cognitive biases are flaws in reasoning and deviations from rational judgment. The person employing them believes that they make perfect sense and their reasoning is sound and their assumptions are correct. These biases are systemic, that is, they are a part of the way we operate, but they are a flaw in our reasoning system and will yield flawed results and mistakes in reasoning. A person has to stay awake and aware to recognize them and deal with them in self and others. So if these things are flawed and yield mistakes in reasoning, why do we use them? Our reasons are a natural outgrowth of human limitation. We need shortcuts that will help us with the limitations of our attention and our processing abilities. We need thought processes which help us with social influence and involves our interest in putting ourselves in the best light. We need thought processes that support us emotionally and morally. We're emotionally attached to the familiar, the routine, and the traditional. When these are absent, we experience anxiety and stress. Cognitive biases help mitigate this, but in ways that are unhelpful in the long term. Distortions in our memories are another reason we use cognitive biases. As we store memories, they are distorted, and they are notoriously unreliable. So even though these things are a natural expression of our human nature and weakness and limitation, they can be managed and must be managed for best results. So the first step to managing cognitive biases is to be aware of them. Now, last week I focused on cognitive dissonance, which generates the use of many other biases. Cognitive dissonance is disharmony 
or contradiction in a person's beliefs, ideas, or values. Or it's when a person acts in a way that conflicts with their beliefs, ideas, or values. This conflict creates stress and anxiety within the person so that that person will do all in their power to manipulate their beliefs and or their actions until they appear more in harmony or consistent, thus reducing the pain of stress and anxiety. I want you to be aware of a particular bias that is closely related to cognitive dissonance called the normalcy bias. A person using a normalcy bias does not believe that threats are real and they will minimize any kind of threat warnings. They believe that what they're experiencing and have experienced is the norm and pretty much the only norm, not admitting that there could ever be anything different. Things will occur in the future just as they have in the past. The inner dialogue might be something like this. The coronavirus seems to be out there and affecting a lot of things, but it's just temporary. It won't get worse. It'll probably be over in November. And we'll get back to things exactly as they were before January 1, 2020. But I've never experienced a pandemic like this. I'm not going to change my ways and I'm not going to plan for something that's never happened to me before, nor am I going to act like it's real. Now, having said that inner dialogue, there's no need for panic or doomsday thinking either. But it makes sense to prepare for things at various levels, for various possibilities. And you'll walk headlong into the dangers of a worldwide pandemic. Now, if you've not heard of the other biases, you may have heard of this one. It's called confirmation bias. To me, this one is particularly deadly since it makes us blind to so much, and we all use it at some level. A confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, give attention to, to interpret and remember information in the way that it confirms or supports our own belief or perceptions as they exist currently. In effect, you choose to ignore new or alternative information, be blind to its value, and at worst, war against it. A particular kind of confirmation bias is called continued influence affect. In this bias, the person continues to believe previously learned misinformation even after it's been corrected. It's a confirmation bias because you want to act in ways that confirm you are right and not adhere to something that makes you wrong. Another confirmation bias is called selective perception. As human beings, we are limited in what we can pay attention to. We naturally can't and don't pay attention to everything. So we're consciously and unconsciously selective all the time. We can consciously focus our attention on specific stimuli and disregard distracting, unimportant, or contradicting information. But the selective perception bias is in play when a person selects categorizes and analyzes stimuli from their environment and blocks others unconsciously. Typically, a person may block that which contradicts current beliefs or expectations, and they may take in that which confirms their current beliefs and expectations. The blocking may also be related to emotional discomfort experienced from encountering stimuli along with the contradictions of the beliefs that are introduced by it. For example, a person may simultaneously hold two contradictory beliefs about their health. They believe good physical care is important, and they work out and maintain good nutrition. They also have a tobacco habit. They may gather information about the physical fitness and ignore all of the negative information about the dangers of tobacco use. They are selectively gathering information. In social settings, at home or at work, we may choose to focus on the bad in a situation and ignore any good, or vice versa. 
Or we may focus on a perceived weakness in a person and ignore their strengths, or vice versa. And we may be able to see only our position and not see the position of another. Here's another confirmation bias called the Semmelweis reflex bias. That's a mouthful. This has an interesting history. In 1847, a Hungarian physician named Ignaz Semmelweis noted that many women were dying from bacterial infections in the reproductive tract after birth or miscarriage. The doctor asserted that if the person delivering the baby would wash their hands in a chlorinated lime solution, this would lower the death rate dramatically. His proposed practice was indeed effective in lowering mortality rates to below 1% in many cases. However, his observations and proposals were not well received by the established scientific and medical community of the day, and some were outright offended that he would suggest that they didn't wash their hands. He continued to speak out about hand washing as a remedy, and we know the positive outcomes from this. As for Semmelweis, he was said to have had a nervous breakdown, and his colleagues committed him to an asylum where he died 14 days later, having been beaten by the guards. So the Semmelweis reflex is a confirmation bias in which the holder of the bias rejects new evidence that contradicts a standing paradigm or framework. Now, how often have you heard these words echoed in history? But we've never done it that way before. Or, but we've always done it this way. Holding to unexamined cognitive biases can nurture your blind spots, create new ones, and they can hold you back from creative approaches. They can keep you from solving the problems that you so desperately want to solve. So what do you do about them? Here's a quick review. First, learn to recognize them and help others do the same. Second, learn to intentionally challenge your own thinking. Think about your own thinking and ask hard questions of yourself about what you think. Even if you believe you're right, challenge your thinking. Check to see if your thoughts and beliefs have the qualities of high intellectual standards such as clarity, accuracy, precision, relevance, depth, breadth, logic, significance, and fairness. Engage with other people in healthy argument. Lower your preferences, your leanings, your habits of thought, your beliefs, and your cognitive dispositions when you listen to other people so you can hear their opinions more clearly without the filters of your biases. This will also help you participate in the argument more intelligently, cogently, and with respectful consideration of the opinions and the people who hold them. Then start using questions with other people rather than making declarations. Ask questions that are genuinely curious. If you'll do these things, you'll be able to root out many of the cognitive biases that are at play. If you need additional support, information, or training in this regard, please contact me at discover at discoveryourtruecourse.com and let me know if I can help you in your quest to be more, see more, and achieve more in your life, relationships, and career and finish without regret. I'm Michael Godfrey. Thanks for listening. See you next time. This has been a production of True Course Life and Leadership Development. Copyright by J. Michael Godfrey. All rights reserved.